Welcome back, Comics and Pop-Tarts listeners, all my Tartarian Nation listeners out there in nine different countries around the world. My name is Inevitable Mike, your host of the Comics and Pop-Tarts channel. Thank you guys for coming back and joining us again. I have an exciting guest tonight. Before we get to that, I would uh, like you to go sign up for the new Substack newsletter, which is at comicsandpoptarts.substack.com. Check it out. I have a new one every Friday. Some behind the scenes of my own titles and, um, and creative works and kind of how my mind works. And it's a way for me to connect with you um, directly. It's free. It costs nothing. Nothing for you guys. So tonight my guest is the founder, CEO, and creator and independent comics creator himself, Michael Nunley of Omen Comics. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? Ah, we're doing great, man. Um, nice. Excited to have discovered you through my intake form. I'm glad that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on here talking about this stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, you got some books coming out in the in the near future, but uh, we, we, uh, we spoke through email and decided to get together and, and talk about some of your accomplishments, man. You have lots of titles. Uh, you're, you're the creator and co-creator, uh, co- co-writer and writer and creator of the Omenverse, right. um, which I'm currently reading at this very moment. Uh, you guys can get it on Amazon Kindle for $9.99. It's an amazing book. It's a collection of stories. Uh, one of one of four I'm on right now is White Druid and Michael Nero. Um, it's a really cool story. If you guys are into like demons, uh, it it reminds me. It reminds me. I'm gonna sum it up like this. Um, uh, Sherlock Holmes meets Constantine. That's what that that's what that story reminds me of. Well, I can certainly see. <laughs> I can certainly see where you where you got that. And actually. Um, um, Sherlock Holmes was uh, a major influence on the creation of this of the character. Um, you know the Sherlock Holmes story, uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah. Well, well, in that story, we we actually get a deal with Sherlock Holmes and a little bit of supernatural stuff. Right. And I was like, well, what if what if we got to see Sherlock Holmes like like a paranormal Sherlock Holmes, uh, like dealing with uh you know demons and possessions and and you know the apocalypse and everything all that kind of stuff what if what if we had that all the time and that was that was initially the uh the the inspiration for creating the michael nero character it's funny because this is it's also kind of like supernatural in a way too which is one of my favorite uh supernatural type type shows because it's basically it's it's an awesome show i can't wait for the comeback show that that kind of goes back in time um, and kind of shines the light on their parents. Um, that's going to be awesome. That could be interesting. I yeah. haven't heard about that. Oh, you haven't heard about the spinoff? No. Um, Jared Padalak was very upset because uh, he wasn't in on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I can imagine being part of it since the beginning there. He would be pretty pissed about that. Yeah, no, I'm sure it was just a immediate, uh, immediate uh, social media reaction type thing. Yeah, you know, um, him and uh, Jensen Ackles were roommates before they were co-stars. Oh, interesting. That that might that explains some of their chemistry, I think. Yeah, some of the behind the scenes footage, and if you if you go if you do a deeper dive into it, it's uh, Jensen Ackles actually wanted to be Sam instead of Jared Padalecki, and uh, <laughs> they didn't think he fit the role, and uh, they thought Sam was more of jared padalecki than jensen was but they gave jensen 
deemed. So <laughs> I don't think anybody's complaining. It's right? Just, no, I, really I definitely funny. think they. I mean, granted, I I've never seen them try to be the other roles, uh, but I mean, I, with, with how I've seen them in, in watching Supernatural, I can't picture them uh, doing it opposite. They, they they are so their roles. You know, while we're talking about it, while I'm thinking about it, I watched all 15 seasons, and even with all the Loki episodes, the mischief episodes, one of the things they never did was a body swap episode. Oh, wow. That would have been that would have been interesting. That totally seems like something they would have done too. <laughs> Maybe something to to consider when they do the spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> but um man, I'm so glad you're here. Um I'm so glad my my website caught you. Um my my goal for this entire podcast has morphed into this giant thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm catering to ambitious young creators and fans out there who, who are looking into being creators themselves. I, I say all the time that I never chose comics. Comics chose me. Um, it all started with Limitless Comics, who approached me to edit a book after I graduated with my master's degree program. They didn't, they didn't have a marketing uh, arm. And I thought podcasting was a great way to do it because well, as soon as I started diving into all the groups, that seems to be the way that everything was working out. And it was a great way to cross promote. And then um, there just wasn't enough content to make weekly weekly episodes. Right. So so uh, I decided to go on, on, a, on a mission to find creators and, and bring them all this great information that, that they wouldn't have to pay for that's not hidden behind paywalls. And all they have to do is just do it. You know, I got to admit that that was one of the things that uh, attracted me to the show. Uh, I had I, I had a couple of a couple of pros uh, really step in and help me out and teach me a few things when I was getting started. And and, you know, I, I really love to pay that forward. That's awesome, man. And that that warms my heart, too, because that just that just goes to, to kind of validate the podcast's existence in a way and we llc'd over the weekend and so now now we're we're a, we're a business so um nice yeah so nice. you went full on llc that's that's uh i mean i don't i don't know if this is cool to talk about but that's not cheap man <laughs> no no it's not um it, it, you know the upfront cost isn't it's not expensive to llc because i don't live in a state where um they rape the business on the small business owner however Come tax time, if, if I if I net a certain profit, then then it'll be expensive. But the expense is probably, in in my eyes, worth it um, for the the kind of crusade that I've been going on. Because there is no industry in Mississippi. Um, there is small industry up north where they make movies, and um, and through the I guess there's a there's kind of a bureaucratic um, market for you know film locations out here so i'm pretty sure the state has something set up in the eyes of like getting uh, getting permits to shoot and film and stuff but other than that there's really no industry out here now since since discovering my local comic shop which is a sister store to the stash oh, nice. by kevin kevin smith and um i i've watched Jason the comic Hugh. book men the whole series uh at least six times i it's, i've I'm down with the stash, man. <laughs> they're, they're awesome, man. And then, like, and then, like, uh, last year, I got to I got to meet Ming uh, and a, a bunch of other people uh, at uh, Pensacon in 2021, and that was kind of what just kind of cemented my journey. And it's like, screw it, I'm just gonna go all in on comics. And since then, I've I've met so many great people, and I've, I've been able to uh, actually introduce creators who have 
who have cross promoted on each other's comics, which has been pretty cool. So, um, in the interest of uh, of non self preservation, and in the interest of of really widespread creativity and passing on that knowledge and carrying the torch, which is what education was originally meant to do. Um, where did your journey start in the, in the eyes of, of comic books or, or, or you're just earlier, like what, what inspired you to become a comic book creator? How did your journey start? What are the things that kind of like fed into that? Well, that's, that's kind of a two part thing there. Um, I, I, origi- I originally got into uh, comics uh, as a kid, of course, right. and also inspired by uh, my love of mythology and Tolkien and, and C.S. Lewis. Um, I decided I wanted to write uh, my own comics. And, and well, granted, they were very derivative. OK, I was 12 years old, um, <laughs> but uh, I did I did start doing my own uh, characters uh, then. And actually, some of the characters I created back then have even survived. Uh, I, oh, I'm, wow. doing, I'm, I'm, I'm doing I'm uh, doing at least at least one of uh, one of them uh, is in um, is in the verse now. Um, so, I mean, it really started there, you know, I was just kind of folding up paper and, uh, 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 pulling up typer, typewriter paper together. So these were really tiny comics and, and drawing my own, uh, artwork on there and kind of typing in the, the lettering, uh, on my typewriter. It was, it was pretty tedious, but, uh, that, that's really what, where the bug bit me, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't get really, uh, serious about writing comics specifically, uh, until I'm going to say about, uh, 2016, 2017, right around in there. Okay. Um, I, uh, I got hired and I used the, I used the term hired very loosely. i got i got i got hired by this by this company uh i don't even think they exist anymore um but uh the idea was i was gonna create this uh this universe of characters and and build it all around this uh one particular character that that uh this guy had in mind uh named and that, that character was actually omen um but um well <laughs> quite frankly what the guy had in mind uh there was just straight up plagiarism i mean some of his scenes he were taking there it was like a just spawn with a different name was basically what he wanted me to write and uh-huh. I, I i i just wasn't going to do that uh with omen um and and i think i think if you if you if you're reading that uh trade there you you, you can see i changed things up a bit um you know, uh, I, I decided to uh, uh, keep the the battle between heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff, uh, but uh, change the whole thing to be about redemption as opposed to a curse with leading hell's army and all of that kind of garbage. Um, but um, <laughs> no offense to Todd McFarlane, right? No, no, I, I didn't. I, I totally didn't mean it that way. I apologize. No, no, you're fine. No, you're fine. no, I lo- I I do love Todd McFarlane. I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Spawn fan, but I, I totally wanted to go in a completely different direction with the character. So I I I co-created this character with him. Well, I like I said, he he came up with this Spawn character, and I actually created Omen. <laughs> uh, but. Um, 
I, I wrote uh, three issues for him. And, and, and with each issue I wrote, I'm like, should I keep writing? Because we're talking about I need to get paid and uh, we don't have the art done with this yet. Are you going to be able to pay me? That kind of thing. And right. he assured me with each issue that he was going to be able to do it. We were going to run this Kickstarter and everything was going to be great. And I was naive, so I went for it. Um. Uh, if, if anybody ever offers, uh, my, my one suggestion like this is if, if anybody ever offers, uh, to do a job with you like that, where, um, you're supposed to do the work up front and then get paid after the Kickstarter, don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's one lesson I learned, uh, right off the bat. Cause you end up doing a whole bunch of work for free. There's no guarantee the Kickstarter is going to work. So uh, essentially, I took the universe of cre uh, characters I created, which I had essentially been working on for, for years, like since I was 12. Um, and uh, I walked. And in order to uh, spite him for having not paid me, I named my company Omen. And the very first comic I put out was Omen number one. All of that was just to spite this guy. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, honestly, I was hooked uh, right from the beginning there. I, I really love the medium of uh, comics in general. I mean, it. I love movies, right? And I feel like comics are that perfect bridge between prose and film. But the, but comic, you're able to do things with comics that you couldn't do with either prose or film. Right. Absolutely. Well, if anything, comics is really just a giant storyboard. You know, right. With, but what film uses to tell their stories. Um, so, I mean, that that was that's pretty much how I got started with the uh, with. Uh, as far as writing goes, um, I had uh, I had a huge story I'd been working on um, all uh, all inspired. I don't know if you remember this. There was uh, what they call a Tetrad uh, event back around. I think it was in 2017, 2016, somewhere around in there. OK, uh, what that is, is, um, you know, uh, 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 what a blood moon is, right? OK, OK, well, well. What happens, what happens with a tetrad is that every six months, when you come around to a time where a blood moon could appear, one does appear. And this happens four times in a row. That's a tetrad. Oh, wow. And um, as far as like prophecy and, and uh, apocalyptic stuff and, and, and uh, 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 biblical portents and all of this kind of stuff, that, that was a huge deal. Uh, lots of people were talking about that. And uh, that, that actually inspired me to want to write this giant apocalyptic story uh, that would just involve all these like completely broken people uh, um, just trying to redeem themselves and make the best of their their kind of crappy situation. And that, that really was what the, the start of uh, the, the Omen verse itself. All based on a Tetrad moon, moon event. Uh, well, that, and I had the, I had the, that was the, uh, the inspiration for uh, the, the, the major event that we're doing. We, we, we have a phase one that we have in mind here. Uh, we're looking at all together somewhere around probably 70 issues to tell the whole story. Oh wow! But um, uh, that that's across six titles. Okay. And and um, 
are those are those all those six titles? Do they all have number ones and they're out like right now? Or uh, no, um, so far the only ones, the only titles we've got out so far is Omen, Gallowsman, White Druid, Michael Nero, and Guardians of Alayum. Okay, but gotcha. we got a we got we got a. Uh, uh, um, uh, fifth one uh, coming out here uh, in August. Okay, yeah, and we talked about doing another episode then. Yeah, 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 because we're gonna dive deeper into kind of the characters of it. But this is this is more to like the comics in general. Totally. So that's that's how you got your start, and of course, you're obviously fascinated by by astronomy and and mythos um, and and uh, mythical history. Um, inspired by, you know, things like Hercules and, um, <clears throat> I'm inspired by some of the same things. In fact, my first children's book is, uh, Hercules in the line, which is a, a retelling, uh, of Hercules, um, and his, um, journey, uh, to redemption from the gods when he was given the 12 deeds, right. Um, where he had to fight the Nemean lion, but this one's more based off the the Arab myth that was in the book of uh, the Book of Thieves, which is a collected story of their history from way back in the day, which is accurate history. So, um, turn that into a children's book, and, and mythological stuff has always always attracted me. And I guess that's kind of why I bought the book because there's a lot of there's a lot of nuances here that I'm attracted to, including swords. There's a lot of a lot of uh, let's see, just the Guardians of Helium looks like it's uh, Middle Eastern ex- in- inspired, a lot of Middle Eastern stuff, and a lot of our origins, as far as like human history, is all is all based in the the Middle East, which not a lot of people care to to know. Um, but for creators out there, so you created Omen, which, which I, I find quite funny. So you created Omen Comics to spite somebody, but you did it with perfect branding. <laughs> your, your comic number one is omen number one and then omen comics and the omen verse um it's all synonymous to to, to pretty much kind of like a blueprint of how you're supposed to brand when you come up uh which is kind of ingenious and and highly highly funny well thank uh, you i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> no no problem it's something for for you to fall back on if anybody says that you're the spiteful type just be like no i needed to brand and he just gave me the idea <laughs> Um, (laughs) but you guys have a you guys have another label too and it's called revelation comics and you create with uh with steve sellers who's on the omens creative team yeah um so you have you have omen comics and you have this imprint um much like you know marvel back in the day used to have imprints like iconic and stuff that they used to to have for their different books that they didn't want touching all of their their mainstream money makers um in the eyes of creators looking to come up, there are those I find that just want to write comics, and there are those who want to make comics and then some. And that I say then some because it's at that point where a comic creator can do anything, whether they want to write a shared universe or they write and write a uh, an epilogue of different characters and then do a crossover event they don't just want to write the one comic right and people who just want to write comics usually end up creating a few creator-owned stuff and then try to get a job with publishing companies i'm in the process of doing both but 
for the sake of of listeners out there who would love to start their own company, I I admire people who start their own business and don't take the publisher's route because uh, because independent comics is the lifeblood of comics. Without it, we wouldn't have publishers. I don't believe they'd last very long. If in if DC's uh, uh, new Q quarterly financial releases is to be you know the mainstay of what what could be you know the next round of of firings before they get sold off to disney which i'm sure is going to happen in the next five to ten years um independent comic creators who go on to make their own publishing companies and just independent release have great stories they just don't have that 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 money marketing you know uh workforce behind them so as a as an independent creator yourself um, who's published on multiple platforms online, including Amazon. How, how and why did you start the company? Like, wh- what were some of the things that you had to do um, outside of just branding and creating the comic? Like, did you guys LLC? Did you guys, I mean, especially team building, like how did you convince creators to stay on with you guys to build a team so that you can create, you know, multiple books? Well, um, I think I think uh, in large part it had to start with um, I used to own a, um, an online uh, comic book magazine called the Chico Comics Page. Okay, and um, we, we reviewed uh, comics and interviewed creators and stuff like that on there. And um, one of my reviewers on that site was Steve Sellers. And uh, so uh, I I had this I had this character. I mean. When I first created uh, um, White Druid and Michael Nero, um, I had uh, Michael Nero has what what is called the third sight, which means that he can see uh, across uh, all planes of existence at once, uh, which means he's he's seeing terrible nightmarish things all the time. And and my my initial uh, idea uh, was for the character was that he was going to use drugs as, as a sort of buffer between the nightmares he has to see and what he has to do. And the character just wasn't, the character just wasn't working. Um, I, I couldn't get him to come out, uh, just right. Even though I had this, this good, good idea for the creation of the character. And so I went to Steve and I was like, Hey man, I got this character, uh, a couple of characters actually. And I'd like to see if you wanted to work on those. And he, and he was down with that. Um, initially, uh, I was, uh, paying him, uh, per page, uh, uh, to, to write the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, eventually we actually worked out a deal where, um, uh, I would publish, uh, his, uh, Blitz comics and, um, in, in return for having those, uh, creating those for him, he would write them obviously, but in, in return for creating those for him and publishing those, uh, he would write for me. Okay. So that, that was how, that was how Steve Sellers happened. Um. As far as Tosin Awasika goes, um, he was one of the people I interviewed on the Chico Comics page uh, as an artist. And so um, when I had a I had a really tiny budget when I first started this, I mean, we're talking I could afford to uh, have one page per month uh, drawn, and that that did <laughs> it doesn't include lettering or anything like that. That was it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I had I. I got a hold of him and i said hey man look this is my budget uh this is this is what i can do 
uh, you know, uh, are you willing to are you willing to help me out? And this is, of course, after trying a couple of other people that didn't work out. Um, and uh, Tosin was totally willing to do it. Um, he jumped right on and uh, uh, busted out uh, White Druid and Michael Nero, our first book, um, I, I think in just a couple of months. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So uh, he, he's been he's been on uh, ever since. And I worked out. Um, I, I worked. I, of course, I'm he, he's he's uh, being paid uh, um, as a as a freelance artist. Uh, but um, on top of that, I've also brought I've also brought both Steve and Tosin into the business so that uh, they're they're actually business partners with me. Right. That is one of the that is one of the things that is you mentioned wondering how, how we managed to keep them with me. Right. Uh, th- these are these are the kinds of things uh, I needed to do um, uh, to, to to keep them dedicated to to the projects we were working on. And uh, in in the process, uh, we also get to um, do some of Tosin's got some uh, does some writing of his own. And uh, while I script the comics that he does, uh, we're we got we're we're putting out his books as well too. So we got and really that's that was where the birth of the Revelation Comics things came from. We needed a place to tell stories outside of the Omenverse, and that's where that's where you find Blitz and Tosin's Insurrection and my Seder and that kind of stuff. Um, as far as the business stuff goes, um, I, I just kind of, uh, dove in the deep end and taught myself how to swim kind of a thing. Um, you know, uh, I, DIY swim. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Kind of like that. Um, wow. Uh, I, I took, um, it, it, it started with, uh, getting, uh, um, a copyright on my, on my logo. Um, a, a friend of mine did that with me and, uh, um, I, I'm starting to make a little bit of sales here locally with my, with my comics doing signings and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I felt like, um, if I was going to take this seriously, if I was really going to do this, then, um, I, I needed to make this an actual business, you know, there's, there's going to be taxes and stuff involved and I don't want to, I don't want to be in this situation where I have all this stuff going on. And then I went, oh yeah, I have to actually have this legitimized and have to go back and fix things. And I didn't want all that. So I just decided to go for it. Um, I, I went and got a fictitious name statement so that I could get a bank account in Omen Comics name. You know, I got a, I got a business license and, um, I got a, a sales permit from the, from the state. Um, I, I just, I dove, I dove all, all, all into it. We, we just, we thought about doing the LLC thing, but in California, that's pretty freaking expensive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they don't like small businesses in California. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> much industry out there that's yeah. too much industry <laughs> like upwards to the thousands whereas i paid probably no more than 60 bucks i i want to say they wanted something like i'm not positive this is correct but i i want to say it was like 750 dollars a month okay well, a month a month it's monetized holy crap so yeah, we're talking several thousand dollars. Holy <laughs> yeah, moly, Jesus! So that that was a big no. <laughs> yeah, and 
and I, and I'll tell you something for for people starting out. Um, I ran into several dead ends. I made full on business plans that I was certain were solid. I made partnerships with this guy, partnerships with this guy, and uh, I, uh, you know, I had I had all these arrangements worked out, and and guess what? That fell apart four freaking times. That has fallen apart. These solid business plans I was sure were going to work has just crumbled but uh, i've i've learned something in this process uh one persistence is a key if you're going to make this um you've got to be willing to make some sacrifices both personally and financially um but but also you you cannot give up and 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 i'll tell you i'll give you a little light at the end of the tunnel um a dead end is not uh actually a dead end in my experience it's just a place to turn this this is not a straight path. You're not going to get there in one in one straight line. You're going to make several turns, several different plan changes. Uh, a lot's going to go on, but you got you just got to keep at it. Now the the business license is that is that the same thing as an LLC, or is that that just give you power to practice business in in California? Actually, the business license is done um, on the city level. Oh, okay. I get the business license from the the city and the sales the uh, uh, sales permit from the state. Okay, and the sales permit gives you the power to sell your product, right? Yes, it does. Okay, that was important because I had originally <laughs> planned on going to conventions as a way of uh, paying for stuff. I thought that um, uh, I could get in there, I could make some sales, and I could recover uh, funds to make more comics. Right. Uh, in in the process there but uh that ended up that was one of the, one of the plans that fell apart um i had made arrangements with the guy uh that was gonna give me transportation and help me and when he realized that we started making a little bit of money uh suddenly it had nothing to do with helping me or what was going on it was all about i need to get paid and i gotta have a plan for how much i'm gonna get and when and so that went that went my ride for conventions <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to make man conventions is something i've talked to creators about on the show um almost all the time in fact i had a conversation with anthony stokes and we talked about you know the politics of of comic conventions i was supposed to go to megacon this year i guess i can go ahead and formally announce that i won't be at megacon this year um uh one because the creator um of of tkm the book that i edited for him for shp productions was under the impression that when you apply for a table at a convention that you are automatically approved and that all you're waiting for is your designated table ID. Oh. Uh, he didn't tell me that or else I would have told him, no, that's not what that means. That just means you're either approved or you're not approved. So because he's a first year creator, he was turned down, uh, obviously, because he has no, no fan base to bring to the convention. Um, he would just be a goldfish swimming with sharks, uh, and and me- at conventions like MegaCon, Pensacon, DragonCon, uh, San Diego, New York Comic Con, the big ones, they don't they don't do a whole lot of, of catering to to new creators because they they're all about making the the moolah, the the ching. If you don't bring ching, you don't get ching. <laughs> No, so, you, you definitely gotta you definitely gotta go with yeah. the the more secondary chains of, of conventions. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I always I always say uh, one of the big things independent creators can do, and it's something that Paul Gomez, another independent creator I've had on the show, do pretty successfully in his Tri County area in Texas, is uh, build up a local following, 
and uh, just kind of push your social media to that local standard. And then once enough people hear about you, you throw yourself out there into to multi-state groups where there's lots of fans in that group. And then you just push yourself on social media and, and get, a, get a few of the the local conventions that come to town. For me, it, it'd be Mississippi Con because no, not hardly anybody comes to Mississippi Con. It's a, it's a really small convention that usually caters to some of the bigger creators that are located in Mississippi, creators like Steve Butler. Um, but other than, other than that, uh, it's really hard to get into the big convention scenes. And, and even if, even if you were to make a profit, um, you still have a lot of upfront, a lot of upfront cash you have to put down on like the table, uh, and then whatever, whatever fees that the table comes with. And then of course you, you have to, you have to stock what you have, uh, and in your inventory and if you don't have it then you have to order that that takes weeks sometimes months depends on shipping or in our case in the current world situation um supply and demand <laughs> uh whether or not they have the paper to send you um right. so it, it, could hit, it could hit you from all directions man there's a there's a lot I had to do not not just uh, in the printing of the comics. Um, I had to buy a machine that would take all kinds of credit cards. Um, I had to buy a cash box, and and getting a cash box doesn't mean just having a place to put your cash. You have to put change in there too. <laughs> so you know there there's a lot to that. But um, I I just want to comment. Um, for my own personal experience, I went to uh, for the for the conventions I plan to go to. I went to a convention uh, circuit owned by a company called Colossal Girl and Colossus Coloss Colossal Girl Entertainment. I think it was okay. And uh, they granted, like I like like you were talking about, they they do they do smaller conventions. They're not like super tiny, like crickets everywhere and stuff. Right. But uh, they they do smaller conventions, and I was able to get tables there uh, for like eighty bucks a table. Oh wow! Yeah, that's cheap, man. Yeah, and when when I bought when I bought uh, 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 tickets uh, for when I bought tables at multiple of multiple ones of their conventions, um, I got a discount um, after buying like the second one. I got it a little cheaper than the first, and the third one a little cheaper than those. Huh, that's that's awesome. You know what's you know what's really great about those conventions? Um, a lot of a lot of creators that you don't know are local or maybe or live a few towns over doing the same thing it's a great thing to network and this is something i brought up in an interview um i think in february with a young creator who talked about going to to a convention this year and kind of selling out of his backpack and we talked about why you shouldn't do that and why you should do things like go to smaller cons because even though you're paying all this money what you might be getting which you think is valuable and green is actually is actually a different type of currency I've always found networking to be worth any type of value. Um, yeah, networking is invaluable to this industry. It, well, it's it's also what drives the industry as a whole. And now yeah. there, there's paywalls, and there's definitely gate gate guardians, gatekeepers, and key holders um, that prevent you from rising to a higher tier of networking. But um, there, there in my mind, there's no limits to networking. So. Going to as many of those small cons as you can is 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 worth every penny. As you get to meet creators, you might find an artist for a book. You might pick up an editor. You might meet somebody else who's willing to cross promote with you. It's it's a it's a smorgasbord of of industry opportunities, and people don't understand this. And thanks to the internet, 
which is a double-edged sword from, you know, heaven and both hell. Um, everybody seems to think that monetization and everything is, is integrated behind paywalls and you have to ask permission. But if you go to, you go to these things, you can ask somebody for help, man. It's, or you can go ask somebody if they're interested in cross promoting. Um, so long as you guys, you know, kind of riding the same brand, you know, as far as product and stories go, um, that you shouldn't have to ask for that stuff. But those, those smaller conventions have been a godsend for a lot of independent creators. I, I met a lot of people at a smaller convention, in uh in in uh central missouri when i was visiting my dad this past year uh, bishop stevens who's an actor pro wrestler uh turned actor mid-career and has had a lot of success uh he was in a comic book that's being adapted into a tv film i met a comedian who does who does comedy who who made a, a comic book in his life i have those still need to do reviews for those but you know, I've and those are potential guests that could be on the show later. And if they have my information and contact if I would have never made those contacts or those network sources had I never gone to that convention. Wow. So yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It is awesome, and and I hope you have the same success at, at smaller conventions as well. Yeah, I've, I'm I'm I've kind of shifted over to uh, um, just trying to make the get the money uh, covered uh through campaigns and stuff right um they're they're just uh there's there's so much like you talked about to to have to invest in uh with going to a convention and it's not you know it's hotel and and gas and product and and all the supplies and stuff you got to have and there's there's you know like you said there's a lot to invest in that and um uh, there's no guarantee you're going to make any of that back um there is there is the networking involved, but I mean, uh, which like we said that that is very important. Getting getting connections uh, with other creators, especially and working together, uh, that that is how this stuff works. Um, but it there's also the fact of the hard that just the the dollar is is yeah. is it, it, it's going to come up. You know, it costs money to make comics. Yeah, it does. It does. And and one thing that 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 that's difficult for a lot of people and i'm sure including yourself but you've managed to punch these walls a little bit is is once the comic is made physical copies are difficult however digital copies are not and so then you have to market yourself digitally as well um which you've managed to successfully do on on amazon and kindle um can you can you speak to any experience on on the self publishing of comics and kind of going digital? I mean, have you done kickstarters in the past? I have, I, I have, I have done kickstarters in the past, and um, I can actually talk about uh, going on digital stuff. Okay. Um, what digital is actually almost one of my favorite means of selling comics, and the reason is it uh, I'll, I'll, once the PDF is made, my job is done. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're just downloading. They're just downloading the digital copy of the comic after that, right? Uh, you know, uh, and so that that's uh, and that's one of the reasons I can keep those prices uh, so low. I, I sell all the digitals at two ninety nine, right? Um, and and the that's that's one of the reasons is that uh, you, th that is pretty much uh, all gravy there with the digital sales, and so you know uh, I I've, I've definitely I tried. Uh, um, doing uh comic costs uh at first um i tried uh draw me in comics um neither of those really worked out all that well 
uh, they they're like um, kind of a sub subscription service yeah. um, in in a in a in a similar vein uh, to Global Comics, but uh, nowhere near on the same level. Okay, yeah, I'm from. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, then um, I I published uh, a lot of our first books on Comicsology. And uh, honestly, I got to say, as far as uh, putting stuff out on, on Comixology, I felt like uh, when, it, when, it, when it went out on Comixology, like I'd officially been published at that point. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it, it felt real at that point. Uh, and, this, and this was, of course, before we got picked up by Wicked. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, um, Amazon Kindle is really easy to, uh, to put books onto. Um, and uh, global comics, uh, I, I'm going to say, is probably uh, the, the the best subscription service way of publishing your your books. Uh, I have come across. I, I really like that. Um, you know, you can set it for. Uh, you can read just ten pages, and and you have to pay for the rest or whatever. Um, it, it's also it also works as a great place where, um, you know, like if you've got multiple issues in a series, uh, people can read the first couple of issues for free, you know, to so catch up on it. So they're more willing to jump on that third issue or whatever that that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Um, but uh, digital is a digital is a is a great way to go um, for for printed uh without getting a publisher um like um like for instance we got picked up by wicked publishing and they sell uh our books on uh but printed and digitally on there um so that that was that was a big uh weight off but uh for printed comics to get out to my fans when i first started out uh in my opinion you got to go patreon okay is that is that in your opinion the best way to kind of get comics directly distributed to to maybe more fierce fans who are more loyal to like a set brand of things that they like? Well, I know that um, I started my Patreon back in 2018, and uh, the the fan I, I don't have a, a vast following or anything, right? But the 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 people that are with me, uh, most of them, all but like one or two, have been there from the beginning, and uh, you know they 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 they've been they've been there uh, with their support uh, from the beginning. But I think uh, uh, there there seems to be like you're saying a, a passion for the project for what we do because uh, they keep they keep sticking around even though uh, we have these struggles uh, right. with you know what are we going to do how are we going to do it and all that kind of stuff they keep sticking around and um, honestly uh, uh, one one of the great things uh, about having these patreons is the pictures um, you know if you get a, a picture of people with your comics like holding your comics up uh, that is a really good way uh, to spread some word of mouth uh, not just about your Patreon, um, but uh, uh, um, but just just as is in, in general. Uh, like for instance, um, I reached out to a few people at Alterna, and I was like, "Hey, I'll send you free comics if I can get a picture of you with them." You know, <laughs> that 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 kind of thing. Um, uh, but that that was a that was a that was a good way to build that out. Uh, get a little uh, word of mouth with uh, some printed copies out there. You know, it was really slow at first, but I mean, that, that's where you got to start out with this stuff. Right. 
and 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 Patreon, Global Comics, and of course, you said you guys got picked up by was it Wicked Publishing? Wicked Publishing, yeah. And so those are, those are kind of like your main income streams that you've created to help kind of carry the cost of all the books that you guys are working on now. Uh, no, uh, that basically allows the the wheels to keep spinning. Okay. But um, like we're we're like I said, we're really pushing for uh, getting uh, some campaigns to uh, pay for the costs of making the books. All right. Right now, uh, we're kind of in a. I've been in a situation for a little bit now where um, I, a lot of what we're doing is coming out of my pocket. Got you. Got you. You're kind of in the same boat I am. So I'm kind of hoping that everything that I've like invested out of pocket in this book. When I go to campaign, I'm hoping that it pays for the next book. And then if that book does well, it pays for the net book. That way, I don't have to keep coming out of pocket. And then by the end of the miniseries at issue six, collected trade, straight to digital, and then those pay for whatever comes next. <laughs> and right? may, maybe and, put a little bit in my pocket. And that that's that's that is in my opinion the only way you can do this. Um when you when you do make money off your comics, um yeah. no matter no matter how how big or or little it is, uh don't look at that as woohoo free money. That's got to yeah. go into your next comic if you're going to keep doing this. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's drastic. It's a drastic perspective um shift when you go from fan to I want to make comics. Because at that point, you see that the shovel in the soil has only been digging, and it just keeps digging and digging and digging. And it just seems like an infinitesimal amount of dirt underneath what you're trying to, to, to dig up, which yeah. is the goal of creating the comic. Like you're, 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 it's, a, it's a metaphor for I'm digging out my story so it can breathe. But as long as I keep digging, it'll continue to breathe. It's the moment I stop, it stops. So it's just, it's, it's a money game. It's it's really it's a it's a hardcore, very sacrificial DIY money game. And and a lot of us don't do it because we love money. A lot of us do it because we like to to write stories and we like to publish things and we want people to read our stuff. Um, that's that's the way I've always felt about it. Um, I'm definitely in that same boat. Uh, this is this is a passion project. This, you know, making comics is something I do because I love it because right. I don't want to be doing anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I I, uh, I quit my nine to five recently. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. That's a that's a bold move. Yeah, it is. Um, if, <laughs> um, it's it's in two parts. Part one, my wife has uh, two jobs and they pay very well, and she still gets the weekends off. Um, two, I've been told multiple times by creators, including successful actors, that if you don't immerse yourself one hundred percent, that um, playing playing footsies with fate, one one door outside and one door in is never going to get you anywhere. And I've heard the same rhetoric when I was looking at doing something in my life back in 2015, when Full Sail called me and I had that consultation call where they were trying to get me to come to college because I inquired about being interested in going to college. At first, it was in game design, um, but then I switched over to creative writing for entertainment. Um, after I realized that making games is really just about doing what you're told and not not getting a, a chance to participate in in drafting any type of meaningful story elements that people will appreciate when they go to play the game, which is what I wanted to do. 
And so um, he said a, a familiar thing to me, which sounded a lot like that. And I was just like, well, I went from no degree to master's degree based on that comment. And uh, why not do it again? I mean, it's, it's got a successful track record. And if I want to be in a business, you have to trust the facts, especially if you could print it out on a spreadsheet, right? Right. Uh, and I'm kind of already in comics already as an as a independent creator, but also as a copywriter and an editor um, for an, uh, Ink Studios, Shameless Pug, um, which is a crowdfunding uh, marketing team that helps creators crowdfund on Kickstarter and places like Zoop and Indiegogo. Um, so I've, I've, I've already worked on, God, 20, 25, almost 30 campaigns now since last year. Wow. Um, of people who have successfully, you know, made comics anywhere from reaching goals from $1,000 to up into $7,000. Um, it's, it's happened. And so I know it's possible. So I just, I just said, screw it. I'm tired of making wealth for other people and I want my life to have meaning. And the nine to five does not, does not give you a meaningful life. Now, if you wake up in the morning and you go to your accounting job and that's what you love to do, or if you, you build houses for people and that gives you meaning, God bless you. Uh, I used to feel the same way when I set mobile homes, like this, the people need, them. like somebody's going to sleep nice tonight. I used to, but I stopped doing that because it's just the physical labor of it was just too much. Um, somebody, you're crushing somebody when you gain something. That's all I got to say. It's a big life thing. So I just sure. Doing that. I wanted to inspire people with words, show the people, show, show the world what I see. So I took a dive, man, and I quit my nine to five. And here I am, LLC in the podcast, talking to a really awesome creator who's been in the business since, you know, 2015, 2016, basically since he was 12. <laughs> <laughs> I started writing when I was 14. I, I was writing fantasy novels in, in sporting goods class um, where they were talking about shooting deer and stuff. And I was just like, that, that is of no interest to me. Let me right. write this mystical journey about this guy who needs to put five magical armaments together to, to, to fight some ethereal prince trying to control the veil from the other side. Like, that's, that's where my head was at at 14 years old. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Fan fantasy is uh, fantasy is a, a really really fun genre, and actually, um, my first shot at just writing period was a fantasy novel. So I, I totally relate with that. Yeah. So it's it's been an experience, man. Um, is there any is there any other in, imparting wisdom of of self publishing and independent comics creating that you could you could bestow upon the audience listening today? And that's uh, very and 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 tackling questions so so we have time <laughs> okay okay um i i guess um uh there there's there's a couple of key things that have really got me through this and that is um you you have to be able to meet deadlines um and you, you have to be able to keep your word um one of the reasons i have a team that works with me so well uh, is that I do what I say uh, when I say I'm going to do it. And um, that 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 really establishes uh, a rapport there. And also treat the people you work with uh, like friends, not employees. Um, you know, uh, encourage your artists, uh, encourage your letterer. Um, let, let, let them know when they do a good job. Uh, when you, that kind of stuff uh, makes people want to want to do their best, right? 
uh, I guess uh, last but not least, and, and I think I, I think I commented on on, the, on this a bit already. Um, uh, you know, while while this is a lot of work, it's a lot of hard work, and it takes persistence and tenacity. Um, I will say this: uh, I am content where I have not been before, and uh, I think that you know um, if you know you know if this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, if, if you're experiencing that, in my opinion. Right. That's good advice, man. Thank you. Um, we still got a little bit of time here. Um, what are some of the things that, um, that you, what are are some of the starting points that you go to when creating characters for stories? Um, I tend to start at the end, uh, of a story. Um, like I imagine typically a really horrid scenario and then I fill in the story on how uh, I got there um, in creating the Omen verse. Um, like I, I mentioned uh, the, it was inspired by that, uh, the Tetrad event. Right. So I, I started with this uh, idea of, uh, you know, all, all the various uh, apocalyptic uh, themes and ideas that are around the world about about end times and stuff. What if all of that just kind of came together in into one huge horrid lump? And uh, you know, I like I, I do that when I'm creating. I, I like to start at the end there, try to imagine uh, the the worst possible scenario, and then uh, work it out how they got there. Um, granted, a lot of my stories uh, end uh, um, well, uh, poignantly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but um, uh, sounds very grim. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I I'm a horror writer uh, when it comes down to it. I do write other genres and stuff, right. but horror is really my love. Um, you know, you could probably see that in the Gallowsmen by the, did you read Gallowsmen yet? I have not gotten there yet, but I, oh, there is a scene in there that will definitely let you know, this is a horror book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can tell, I, I I should have asked a different question because horror writers do not treat their characters kindly because they (laughs) (laughs) know. No, in fact, a, a common, I, one of the things I did in, in, in creating the universe was to come up with a theme. And, and uh, I think that that helps uh, if you get um, an idea for your universe. Now, granted that you can have, you can have a universe full of all kinds of different characters, but uh, I personally went with having a common theme and, and I, I went with redemption. I like the idea of broken people doing amazing things. And right. so uh, a lot of my stories are about just that. Yes, there's a lot of broken people in the world. Right, right. I I am one of those broken people. Me so. too. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. We we've always. I think the whole world has always been inspired by uh, ordinary people doing extraordinary things, uh, regardless of what genres and whether there's fantasy, uh, superhero, all ages, horror, um, especially in horror, because you know there's always that one person that makes it, but they've had to do enamorous things in order to get there <laughs> right whether it you know eat eat someone or chop someone's arm off and then take their piece to survive you know a lot of walking dead overtones oh, it's it's immaculate but um 
what uh you said you like movies man it's getting off topic here let's uh let's talk about what you've been watching oh all right um well (laughs) uh lately um i've actually been on a on a blade runner kick oh okay that's something i've dived into um, I, I hadn't, I hadn't actually, uh, I hadn't actually watched it until, uh, just recently. And, um, now that I've, now that I've watched it, there's the two films in the series. Um, uh, I've just kind of gotten obsessed with the whole thing. Uh, can't stop thinking about it and stuff. And so I've just been pouring <laughs> over it for days. <laughs> uh, I guess you're going to make a, your, your own sci-fi horror spinoff of it, huh? Um, well, <laughs> uh, the, the, I'm, I'm definitely, the, 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 the series has definitely inspired, uh, some stories in me. Uh, I, I feel like, um, I want to start maybe exploring, uh, the noir, uh, uh, genre. Oh man. I love noir. I love the noir stuff. One of my favorite video games, the first ever Lego Marvel game, they, uh, they went into the noir, the noir Marvel side where they had like uh 80s style iron fist and 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 uh oh god and power man or like he had the fro and the and the cabana with the with the the 70s style jumper shoot pants right and the spider-man spider-man noir daredevil noir kingpin noir it's just i don't know i'm a mafia guy yeah, <laughs> I'm half Italian, and a lot of our, a lot of, a lot of my family moments during like Thanksgiving and stuff was like watching, uh, watching the Godfather's, right? And then they had the Godfather games come out, and then the Mafia games, and then you know, all these other movies spinoffs of the same universe uh, or theme type genre, of, like the Goodfellas come out. Man, those, those I things. Got, I gotta ask you, uh, <laughs> if, we're, if we're talking about Italian gangsters here. Uh, that that's a favorite subject of mine. You, you got you gotta be a Sopranos fan, am I right? Yes, yes, I. Yes, am. yes. And so, well, what did you think of Many Saints of Newark? Are you referring to the new one? Yes. Yeah. See, I haven't I haven't had a chance to go watch it. Oh. But oh, I don't want to spoil I'm, it for you then. I promise you. I promise you. I will watch it soon. Um, and the next time we talk, we'll talk about it. Because I just I, I haven't had a time had a chance because things have been so busy, and I just finished my script today and I sent it off to your entertainment company and so I don't. Oh, that's got to feel good. It does. It feels great. Um, one of my newsletters talked about finishing things when you start them and kind of like the mortification of finishing it and how final it seems. And in my life at this moment, um, finality feels a little painful because um, I recently lost my mom in December, and so yesterday oh, was a pretty. Crap, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, it's okay, man. I, I I appreciate the condolences though, but yesterday was kind of a little hard for me. Um, but I spent the day with my sister, and we kind of just as a as a as as brother sister, we kind of just pushed through it. But um, I feel like after I sent that email this afternoon, I was like, you know what, finality can kiss my ass. So <laughs> yeah. I conquered. I conquered that that thing that I described in my newsletter. Yeah, that's a victory for sure. Yeah, it was a victory in more in more ways than one, which is a lot of the reason why I have the podcast and the newsletter. It's very, it's very advantageous, uh, and it's also very, very uh, constructive for me, um, kind of mentally. It's it's almost like going to counseling, um, so I get to talk about these things. So, um, but but I haven't I haven't watched that because I I used to talk to my mom 
about Sopranos because oh, a huge show. No, don't feel bad about bringing it up. I still love the show. Um, I'm really sad that the original, the original Soprano couldn't be here. You know, he passed away a few years ago. Yeah. I'm spacing on his name. James Gandolfini. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Gandolfini, which is a prominent Italian name. Um, yes. Uh, huge, huge history in New York for anybody who cares to go look it up. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll get to it soon. It's just something I've been putting it off, and it's, I've been all about conquering those, 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 uh, those, um, those, those pushbacks here lately. So I'm going to get to it eventually. What I do, I, I'll uh, we can revisit that conversation because I, I really want to talk about that, especially since they announced the uh, a new spinoff series for Sopranos as well. Yeah. They're bringing it back. And I was like, oh, buddy. <laughs> so yeah. Just... yeah, that that I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping they basically just take off from many saints of Newark. It's what I'm hoping for. Oh, I'll try to catch that. They pick up where they left off. Uh, yeah, they they kind of set us set a stage with many saints of Newark, and oh, I, okay. I'd like to see it take off from there. Well, if they if you feel like it's a setup, being a storyteller, then it probably was. Uh. So, <laughs> no, no, everything today, and 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 as far as like publication, when they release. Uh, when they release teases in the media, it's 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 all a misdirection. Um, they think it's clever because it sets you up for a surprise because we have to come up with new ways to surprise people now because the stigmata of marketing has been kind of shot in the last decade because they've overused it for 50 years. So, right. Sopranos is never coming back and this is nine reasons why. And then another media outlet will post a spinoff series announced and could be presently published through YouTube soon. Here's why. Um, and then it's just back and forth confliction and misdirection until someone comes out on like Twitter now is the biggest place to get fishes for for uh, for drops and in, in, in media announcements. Like uh, one of the creators will drop something witty that they probably got paid to, to do. And um, and that's how they announce it. So it's it's happening. If you, if you think it's a setup, it's it's a setup. <laughs> it, it, it certainly it certainly felt that way. And I, I don't I can't tell you how, of course, but we'll we'll, we'll get into that next time. But uh, it, you, I, I think I got a feeling you're going to be wanting the same uh, the same thing I'm going for here, too. Yes, it's it's something that I, I look forward to watching. Uh, maybe I'll invite my sister over. We can do that together. That sounds but, awesome. But I thank you, man, for coming on to the show. Um, the, if you want to, man, shamelessly plug anything you want to, including your social media and kind of where everybody can find you. Okay, sure. Um, you can find uh, Omen Comics. Um, it's at Comics Omen. Um, you can find me at uh, M I C H A E L. N-U-N-N-E-L-E-5. Uh, they wouldn't let me add the Y. <laughs> <laughs> um, Twitter handle? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, you can also find us uh, on Patreon.com uh, uh, at uh, Omen Comics. And uh, we also have uh, our own uh, podcast between Omen Comics and Revelation Comics called Omen Revelations Podcast. Uh, you can find that on, on Anchor and also on uh, Twitter at Omen Revelations. Awesome, man. And I'll be providing links to all that in the comments and the, uh, the show notes down below. 
which you'll see whether it's on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Anchor, more to come. I'm hoping we get Pandora this year, but we'll see. We shall see. I do want to say one thing uh, before yeah. we go, though. Um, yeah. If 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 you need if you need help uh, with your with your Kickstarter, if you need uh, retweets, uh, if you need any any kind of word, if you need some advice, uh, if if there's anything I can do, uh, if it's in my power to help you, I want to do that. So go ahead and reach out to me if you can. Awesome, man! Thank you so much. I appreciate that. The power of of collaboration and networking, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, Michael, Michael, for coming on uh, to the show tonight and, and sharing your wisdom, your wisdom and your experience and your stories uh, with me and the audience um, in nine different countries. I'm so stoked. I actually have a 5% following in Italy. It's, it's amazing. Nice. Yeah, someone out there speaks English. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so check that out. And the letter N pop dash tarts.com. Also, check out comics and pop tarts dot dot substack.com. The newsletter you can listen to us also on Substack as well, which I thought was pretty cool. My name is Inevitable Mike, creator and I guess now CEO and host of the Comics and Pop Tarts podcast channel, uh, which you can find every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So, you still have a Friday night. Thank you guys for coming out and enjoy the show. Thank you, Michael, for coming on. And y'all stay creating. All right.